Gentlemen, this is Careless Whispers, and it's been a while, hasn't it? I hope you all are finding yourselves well on this election night. Calvin, how are you, sir? I'm great, buddy. Did you vote? Good, I can hear you. Yes, I I voted early. Uh, I did not vote today, so I voted last weekend. But yes, I got it done. And for those of you looking for some non-election coverage, this this is where you need to be, because... Other than this discussion right here, we're staying away from it, as we usually do on this show. Isn't that right? I mean, we do have a semi-political topic doing that, but uh, we're not going to get too into uh, which candidate you should be voting for or uh, you know, which propositions you should be supporting. Although, you could. Support Proposition 25, right? For those people in California, I don't know. I don't know what that is, nor do I care. Um, it's it's made up. It doesn't see how this either. goes as I try and do the entire show from my cell phone because I don't I don't know what's happening with my laptop. I scheduled the show and it needed to do some updates. It was very slow. So we're just gonna have a little fun here. I'm gonna be going back and forth between stuff on my phone. It's a good thing one of us has a smartphone, huh, Calvin? How dare you? <laughs> it's politics talk today, man. Talk to me about your phone. <laughs> I see, I see. That's that's too politicky for you. Okay, fair enough. Much um, too politicky. Much too politicky. Fine. We. I should probably give the phone number out while I'm looking at it. Uh, it is three two three six four two one four eight four. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing from anybody out there that has stayed on past the first five minutes of dead air, probably more like ten minutes of dead air before we got on here, but either way. Um, we start with the Celtics topic, Calvin, uh, as we usually do, even though we haven't done a show in a month. And um, that Celtics topic, to me, is the fact that, man, do they look soft right now. I, I just <clears throat> I don't know any other way to describe it. They don't look there on defense. They're not playing physical. They look like they're just trying to put up points. And um, they, I mean, they did lose Al Horford to a concussion. He's been out for a couple games. But the the presence that he was supposed to bring on defense has not been there in the first week of the season. So we'll see what happens when he comes back from that injury. They lost Al Horford. They lost, you know, just importantly to my mind, is Jay Crowder, I, I think that Avery Crowder Bradley, huge. yeah, 
Bradley got all the credit last year for being their, you know, defensive stalwart. But I, I think secretly Jay Crowder was their best defensive player last year. And you can even make an argument that he was their best overall player last year. So I think not having him out on the court uh, should matter. But Rory, I, I, I think for them to take a dip without those guys is to be expected, right? But I think that it's it's hard to expect that right now they're second to last in the NBA uh, in defensive efficiency, they're 24th in uh, defensive rebounds, which, and they're 23rd in forcing turnovers. I think the rebounds is, you know, a, a long-standing problem with the Boston Celtics, right? Like the ability to grab rebounds. Is, it, I, I think that Horford, at this stage in his career, and and with where he's at on the floor is probably not going to have, like that's that's going to be a problem with the team regardless but the, the way they played you know last year was was good enough to overcome that uh more often than not so that number I, I don't expect to change too much or am i too surprised by it but why are they not forcing turnovers that's what i want to know i know smart didn't well, play a game or two right but smart and avery bradley well, yeah go ahead no, I was just going to say, this is where I, I say that they're being soft. They're not being physical enough. Because just in that, in that game the other night against Denver, you could see the first half they were, they were lackadaisical. They were not aggressive on defense. They uh, were mainly trying to, to just run up and down the court with Denver and score and, and play offensive basketball. And, and then in the second half of that game, they were t- – down 20-something or whatever after loading up 77 points in the first half. And they decided to play a little defense, and the effort was there. You could see the effort physically was there with the, the guards especially, and it flowed through the whole team. It's the only reason they didn't lose by 40, because they picked up the effort in, in, on defense in the second half. So the point is that it, it's obvious that they're capable of doing that, but they just haven't been doing it, and that's the frustrating part as a Celtics fan. I know that on these airwaves, I've said years in years past that when they've had a, a mediocre team or a below-average team, that as long as they go out there and they give the effort, I don't, I don't care if they lose. I, I know what their the roster is, and I, I know or knew back then that they weren't going to be favored in a lot of games, but I wanted to see them play hard, and they did, and I was satisfied with that as a fan. I'm not satisfied with an underachieving team that is underachieving because their effort is not there consistently. Do you, my question, here's a question I have for you. Do you feel like this has anything to do with the, the loss of Evan Turner in the sense that it's, it seems to me like right now, a lot of his minutes are going to guys like Gerald Green and Terry Rozier who, you know, are smaller players. Do you, do you feel like, I guess my question is, do you feel like the small ball lineup, particularly without Crowder in it, has has been a little bit too small? Like, has it gone a bridge too far? Because I, I see sort of see them being overpowered a little bit. You talked about them being soft earlier. Do you think that part of that is just not having the size? I mean, obviously Jalen Brown has the size, but he doesn't. You can't expect him to have defensive instincts uh, like you'd want this early in his career. Right, and I, I mean. I'm not. I wouldn't really attribute it to Evan Turner so much as maybe Kelly Olynyk, because even though Olynyk is not a very good defender, and he's not a, a superb rebounder, he is a seven-foot player, and 
the Celtics are getting eaten up on, on the offensive rebounds. That's part of the reason that they've been so poor defensively so far this year. They are undersized for sure, but teams are getting offensive rebounds against the Celtics night in, night out. If Kelly Olenek was out there, that's just one other seven-footer that gets offensive rebounds. He's not a great rebounder in general, but he does rebound the ball on the offensive glass. So I would say that is more the reason that their their defense is down than anything, but they need to do a better job of getting stops and, and creating turnovers as opposed to trying to collect misses off the glass until they can get their full roster back because it's obvious that the only way they're, they're going to win the battle there uh, is by creating those turnovers because they're not going to win on the glass until they get Horford back, until they get Olenek back. I just don't see it happening. Well, this is going to sound like a ridiculous question then, but do you, do you think that there's anything to the idea that maybe they miss Jared Sullinger a little bit? And what, you know, his specific skill set, which is getting offensive rebounds, I think Amir is pretty good at that. But, uh, you know, the rest of the guys on the team are not really offensive rebounders. Well, you know that I'm not a fan of Jared Sollinger, and you know that I wouldn't really go out of my way to praise him. Um, but, no, I, I just – if you're going to say that they're missing Sollinger, then I would just counter that with get Horford back in the lineup. Uh, I'm more thinking about who's missing – with when Horford was in one and they were still struggling in that area. So I, I don't really think it has a lot to do with Jared Sollinger. Maybe it's just guys still not knowing the system and trying to and figure things out early on in the season. I, I expect them still to win 50 games. I'm not trying to knock them or anything like that as far as that's concerned. So don't go crazy out there, people. But um, I, I, do, I, I do think they need to pick it up on, on the defensive end and Effort-wise, it's just that it hasn't seemed to be there. Yeah, I think it, it's, it's obviously too early to be super concerned. My thing is, like, I thought last year, the, the, the thing that made the Celtics defense uh, special, if you want to call it that, it's, again, it's, it's never going to be rebounding, even with Horford. Uh, he just spaces the floor too much at this point in his career. He's, you know a little farther out a lot of the time. Sometimes he'll try to block a shot and won't be in position for a rebound. So I don't ex- ever expect the Celtics to be a dominant rebounding team with this collection of players. But, you know, what they've always excelled at is ball pressure. And I'm not seeing the same kind of pressure. You know, turn it over before teams get into their half-court sets. I haven't seen the same sort of pressure from, you know, even guys like Bradley and Smart. Uh, I've only seen a couple of Celtics games, so maybe you can you can steer me the other way but they certainly oh, haven't been turning can't. the ball over like they did last year. I can't see you the other way because, like I said, that Denver game is the epitome of it, and we were talking about this in years past. For some reason, Brad Stevens' teams have had a hard time playing a full 48 minutes, even though that's one of the things that he preaches uh, as a coach. And that, that this team, and especially the guards, they've not been pressing the ball as much as they did in the past, and I think they need to get back to that some people are speculating around here that they've let the uh, national praise get into their head and they are sort of playing down because of it and they've gotten full of themselves. I, I don't know if that's the case, but they certainly don't look as strong as, as people expected them to out of the All right. Well, we're doing, we're doing that thing where you uh, cut out a little bit while you're talking, but I'll uh, I'll try to make do with that situation. 
So I couldn't quite make out what you said at the end there. Just that they haven't been playing as well as people expected them to out of the gate here. So that's that's strange that I'm cutting out on my cell phone. This is I'm not a fan. It's probably on my end then, right? It could be on my end, who knows? Yeah, it could be. If we had people listening, they could inform us, but we don't. All right, Rory. Well, I expect them to. T- I expect this won't be a, uh, as big of a problem as it, as it seems to be right now. I I saw a lot of that Chicago game. You know, the, the Bulls hit. The Celtics were giving the Bulls shots uh, that they should be giving them, considering you know guys like Wade and Rondo, and they were hitting difficult shots. Uh, I felt like they the. Nuggets hit some difficult shots as well, so it could just be that people are hitting tough threes and making the numbers look worse than they are. We'll see when they get the players back. We'll we'll address this again, you know, in a couple of weeks when when they have their full lineup. If their defense doesn't improve, we'll talk about it again. In the meantime, can we can we talk about something awesome, Ray? You want to talk about something awesome? Yeah, can we? Well, I, I'm, I'm really curious how you're going to spin this into awesome after a week. I mean, I guess I just spun the Celtics into devastation after a week, although I didn't mean for it to come off that way. But, uh, yeah, let's let's talk about something awesome, Calvin. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, let's talk about something awesome. Let's talk about the Lakers. Rory, the Lakers are winning the title this year. Huh. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Here's the thing, though. Okay, you you have to understand how miserable the last couple of years have been for the Lakers. Yeah, they're they're four and three. It's early in the season. Like, whatever. Do I expect them to be good at the end of the year? No. But but you know what they are? They're they're competent. Right? They're playing at the league's highest pace. Okay. They're uh they've already beaten Atlanta on the road. They beat the Warriors by twenty. Okay. So I think I, I think that. And they beat the Suns. Those were the last three games. They've won three in a row. And they beat uh, they beat Houston on opening night. So I, they've had, like, the league's sixth toughest schedule through six games. Or seven games, rather. So it, it's not like they've, you know, beaten a bunch of scrubs. It's not like they've only beaten the Suns and the Pelicans and Minnesota. I'll, I'll grant you that the Warrior game is a fluke, and I don't expect it like that kind of performance to continue the Warriors missed a lot of shots. Yeah, what but is up with the Warriors? That's maybe a side note in, in a few minutes because holy yeah, we crap. Get to that. We get to that in a minute. I'll, I'll grant you that, Rui. But again, if you just look at where they were at last year, they're like just offensively, they're like a, a, a top 15 uh, team efficiency wise. And defensively, they're a top 15 team. Last year, they were 30th defensively and like 24th offensively. So, do I expect this to continue all year? No, but you know what? They're they're having fun. They're playing a totally different style of basketball, and that's what excites me. They move the ball on every possession. Nobody on the team plays more than thirty minutes a game, at least so far. They're playing like they're playing a Celtics, sort of Celtic style, where like, uh, I mean, the basketball's not the same style. They don't force nearly as many turnovers, but and they play at a faster pace, but. Like I said, nobody plays 30 minutes a game. They play 12 dudes, and they share the basketball. Uh, they're not turning the ball over very much, and they're exciting. 
I'm excited about the Lakers. I I went on ESPN last year, and the, they were just you know because the Lakers are the Lakers, they'll still get their their uh, share of articles, and you know the experts like Chad Ford or, who, or whoever just would talk about how like you know the only Laker with upside really is D'Angelo Russell, and I feel like and. and Julius Randle got criticized be, because he has short arms and because he can only go left. And those things, those <laughs> things very I love this stuff as far as they just look at a guy and they say, oh, well, he, he has small hands. He probably won't be able to, to make it in, in the league. He's, we don't think he's going to do it. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, a lot, it's about a lot more than things like that. And people, these writers should know that stuff. But anyway, continue. Yeah, he does have short arms. And he, he can only go left. And he can't hit a perimeter jump shot, but you know what? Julius Randle is so quick. He's like the he's the best player this year. He's averaging like 20 points a game. He's averaging double digit rebounds. He's like 20 and 12. He faces up and he can he's fast enough to dribble by almost anybody, especially any big man in the league. Uh, people forget that like guys like Elton Brand had short arms and you know he managed to to have a pretty good career. I don't think that that Julius Randle's a superstar, but he's certainly not like this guy you wouldn't want on your team like they're trying to act. You, you know what I mean? And I, I just look at everybody. Look, the bottom line is this. It's like I just want to, to dedicate this time to to the coaching god, Luke Walton. Because it, this is all this is all Luke Walton is doing. Look, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he, 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 took this, he took the system, right, from Golden State and probably tweaked it a little bit. I mean, does it look – does it look like the Warriors? Because people, you said that they're playing a similar system to the Celtics, but the Celtics really adapted their system from the Warriors. So it goes back to Steve Kerr. Yeah. If, if that's what we're looking at here, but what's what is Walton I, doing that that's different for for you Laker fans out there? I guess I compare it to the Celtics because much like the Celtics, the Warriors play the Warrior system without actually being able to shoot. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's sort of like that. Oh, the Lakers, con- too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Lakers and the Celtics both can't really shoot that well. D'Angelo Russell could shoot. And actually, Nick Young, th- that, this is this is why I want to credit him, Murray. Nick Young is like a like a defensive stopper this year. He's like he's like face-guarding dudes well. You see them playing together. Uh, he, like I said, he, he, he plays like 12 dudes. Brandon Ingram is like blocking people's shots left and right. I, I get a little annoyed with his lack of aggressiveness because he's like clearly good at basketball, but he's like so passive that I'm not, I'm not convinced that he's like ever going to be something, but we'll, we'll see right now. He's got a lot of talent. Man, that would be too bad if he turned into one of those guys that just stopped caring because he got paid or something. And then he faded off after three or four years. Yeah, he's just not – he's not quite hungry enough. You know, he's out there. He plays well. He does, you know, everything he's supposed to do. He gives up the ball. He takes open shots, whatever. But I, I want to see him be just a little bit more selfish. But that's the thing. It's like nobody on this team is selfish. It's just joyous to watch. And I looked at their schedule. The, their next, the next five games are, are the Mavericks, who have one win, uh, the Pelicans. Oh, they're, playing the, they're playing the Timberwolves. And then th- there's two more. There's like the next five games are all non-playoff teams, uh, all teams with like two. They're playing the Nets and they're playing somebody else. I can't remember who else. So, so you're you're gonna have a nice time on Thanksgiving and maybe even Christmas with the old 
if the playoffs ended today, the Lakers would be having a home playoff series again. Yeah, exactly. Even in the games, that, even in the games they lost. Yeah, the the box score says that they lost to uh, the Thunder by 15. But if you watch that game, it was a three point game with two minutes left. So they they just fell apart like in the last couple of minutes. That's a young team thing. I'm okay with that. The other games, the, the other games they lost were close. The other two were close. They've looked good. They've looked like they can compete. I don't expect them to win. I don't actually expect them to be good. I was just kidding uh, when when I said that they no, were going to be Hey obviously. man, I I would the way the way the West looks in the first week here, just that if the Warriors are not going to be as dominant as, as people expected them to, and I guess the Clippers look pretty good, and obviously San Antonio is going to be there, but the rest of it from four to seven is is four to eight even, maybe even nine, is more out in the open than ever before, in my opinion. I think there are a lot of teams jumbled up in there, and the Lakers are definitely one of them. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers made the playoffs this year, Calvin, just the way things look out there. The West looks like it looks more like the East has in years past with a bunch of teams jumbled up in the middle and a couple of teams that look like they should be a clear favorite. I'd be pretty surprised if they made the playoffs. Uh, I, I think uh, OKC is still going to be good. Um, who are we missing? Who am I not thinking of here? That's, that's still going to be pretty good. Utah I think Memphis is, is up good. there. Memphis. Looking right now. Yeah, I think Memphis is going to be a playoff team. Utah. Yeah, right now, right now the Lakers are the sixth seed. I'm just saying, look. The Lakers haven't won. They, they've won three games in a row, which is something they haven't done since 2013. They have also have not been above 500 at any point in the season since 2013. And so, yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm trying. To, I'm, I'm trying to help you out here. I just I feel like they are in the mix for that that bottom half of the playoffs in the West. And if, if they're going to be one of those just under 500 teams, then this year might be the year that the teams in the West get to be a 500 team. And get that eight seed. I just, I, I don't see the 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 different the, the major disparity between the, the East and the West this year because I think the East is a little bit better and the West seems a little more diluted. Yeah, I think this might be the end of the line for Dirk. So I, I don't really expect Dallas to bounce back. Um, I think Portland will ultimately be good. Houston, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a chance that this team could surprise. And be you know a seven or eight seed, just just looking at the landscape now that I, I I think about it. But I think more importantly, as far as I'm concerned, is like I'm tired. Of, look, the Lakers have, for the last three years have had this like possible loss of the draft pick just hanging over their heads every season, and the, it's the idea of like they could play this entire terrible season where they win 18 games, you know, get the fourth pick in the draft and then lose that pick to uh, the Sixers. And somehow miraculously, like they keep avoiding it by getting a top three pick or at least the last two years. That's really what it has been two years. The last two years, they got the second pick. uh, They got the second pick twice. So they avoided losing that pick this year. It's the same thing, but I would like them to even if they even if they end up the 10 seed, you know, and they get the the 10th pick in the draft in the lottery. If we have to give that up to the Sixers, I'm okay with it as long as it's not the fourth pick. You know, I just want them to play well enough 
for me not to be infuriated that they're, that they're going to lose their draft pick. All right, fair enough. Is that too much? The, and by the way, they're playing this well, and D'Angelo Russell hasn't even really got it going yet. He's like, everyone thinks that he's going to be a star. I think that, that there's things that I don't like about him that other people like. I feel like he's too slow, and they they should be posting him up more because he just he basically destroys every guard on the post because he's six five and he's got long arms. But instead, like they use him. Uh, in situations where he has to try to take people off the dribble, which he can't really do that well, even though he can shoot over them. I think once they figure out exactly how to use him, they might be even better than people realize. Well, and it's I, best. I'm not going to disagree with you because I just, the way they've been playing early and just from what you've said about Luke Walton changing the culture over there and the, just the style of play, uh, it, it seems like they, they might have figured it out. And I know that going young in this league is not a bad thing anymore because the Celtics just proved in the past couple of years that you can win 40-plus games with a young team if you're, if you're playing the right way. So uh, we'll see what happens out there with your Lakers. Very a week ago, uh, Ron Arrester met a world piece who somehow made this roster and still managed to get into a game. <laughs> Was uh, was shooting a free throw, and he he just for some reason uh, shot the free throw and it went in, and he he said he just said out loud I love basketball to his teammates who <laughs> thought it was hilarious, and now the Lakers just break the huddle with everyone saying I love basketball. That's great. See that that's good stuff. I I, I can't say that I like the Lakers, but something like that is just that's too funny to to pass up. I that's I like that. Nice. All right. Well, Hi, Calvin. I, I think I think I'm going to try to get this direct connect thing going here on the actual computer. So, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of info on Durant and Westbrook right now, and uh, I'll hopefully be up with you in another minute or so. Okay, sounds good. So the Warriors played the Thunder. Uh, the other night, as as everybody knows, and uh, the Warriors played well. Uh, the Thunder played pretty well as well for the first part of the game. It was pretty even. Uh, Russell Westbrook was sort of leading them, and then he went to the bench, and then the Warriors went on a huge run. Kevin Durant obviously seemed uh, to have something in him that he wanted to get out against his old team, took a bunch of shots, which he was just on fire, and the Warriors ended up destroying the Thunder. But I think that's not, like, the entire story. Everyone was looking to see how they would interact.
Calvin, are you there? Oh, I wow. Wow. I'm here. Okay, well, this is unfortunate. I've been so, ranting for I, I don't I don't know what happened there, but I definitely I definitely heard you on the phone when I got off of the, the air and then I came back and it was dead and I thought just thought it was frozen. We are all over the place tonight. What happened? Uh, apparently, apparently, I muted my mic, so I I talked for ten minutes for no reason. So that that's delightful. Yeah, but some of that was definitely some of that definitely came through because I heard it before I dropped off myself, and then I just came back on, and you weren't you weren't there anymore, and I wasn't sure what was going on. So I decided okay, to speak. Well, so this is this is we're gonna call this the dead air episode of of Careless Whispers. So, um. I I mean I, I I definitely heard you up until the um would you like them, to, them yeah. not getting them not getting along or them Well, okay, so what I was what I was asking you is uh again in in OKC when Kevin Durant won his MVP, you know, he went out of his way to thank Westbrook. Uh, when Westbrook got criticized by the media and the public for not being uh, a not being a guy who like defers to Durant. Uh, Durant defended him and you know said that he they need both of them. He's always been protective of Russell Westbrook, and the the image has always been like I said a collegiate atmosphere that they're all friends. And now that Russell West, now that Kevin Durant, sorry, has left for Golden State, it's like that's like completely fallen off, and they all seem to like we don't like Kevin Durant. I think that's it's not a result of like Russell Westbrook's alpha, like me against the world personality, or do you think that like there was an element of fraudulence to what was going on in OKC, and maybe they were never really that close to begin with? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they probably weren't that close to begin with. Uh, and also, I'm thinking that maybe Durant left on more sour terms than what people would lead you to believe from his camp. They want they want you you to think that he's this this great player who is a great team player and he just made the best decision for himself and his family and all that. And it's possible that maybe he didn't even tell Westbrook. Maybe Westbrook does feel like he was a little bit uh, snubbed by Durant when Durant left. And that uh, is, is showing here in some of the antics that have, have come out of Russell Westbrook early on in this season. Um, but he insists that it's, he's not doing anything to target Durant or to call out Durant. So uh, who knows if, if any of that's true or not, but um, I just, I feel like this story is a little uh, pumped up more than it, than it needs to be. It's one of these non-story stories. And I think the bigger story here is that Kevin Durant is having a hard time fitting in in Golden State. Uh, I think that he's getting his, and the rest of the team around him is, is struggling a little bit besides Steph Curry to figure out what their roles are supposed to be now that he's the other, the, the other big guy there. Even, I think, Draymond Green has struggled at times early on in this season, and he's a guy that seems to fit in or seem to fit into every team that he's been on since he started his career in the NBA. So I'm not so sure that it's, it really should be looked at as Westbrook versus Durant. I think this is more uh, a, 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 a indictment of Kevin Durant and to say that he uh, maybe is, is not the, the superstar team player that people think he is because he's not, I don't know. He seems to be still trying to get his, 
and he is getting his, and the rest of the team has struggled early on, which is strange to say for a team that's five and two and uh, has played they played okay, but there are a couple of standout games that are uh, very concerning if you're a Warriors fan, I think. I wouldn't be super concerned if I was a Warriors fan just because I think, especially when you when you introduce a piece to your offense uh, like Kevin Durant, who basically is an offense onto himself, you know, he plays more isolation than the Warriors want to play. But, you know, the same thing happened with LaMarcus Aldridge in San Antonio. I think that it, it's just some early season jitters with their offense trying to figure out who goes where. But I, And I also think that I think that definitely it's affected Draymond in terms of how much he has the ball in his hand and Draymond needs a ball in his hand to sort of be a secondary point forward type playmaker. Kevin Durant's going to be doing that himself and you know, Draymond doesn't dribble as much, but I don't think, I don't think that is so much a problem as the fact that uh, Clay Thompson is just missing his shots. He's shooting 19% from beyond the arc. Like you, I, I have a hard time believing that has anything to do with Kevin Durant. I've watched the Warriors. Like he's getting open shots, maybe not quite as many, but that's to be expected. But he's, I mean, not as many shots overall. But he's just not hitting anything right now. Against the Lakers, he had multiple just wide open looks that weren't going down. And maybe you could say that's like psychologically because of Durant indirectly, but you really can't blame him for that. But. No, and Clay Thompson said the, said the, the same thing, basically. You, you can't blame Durant for that. Uh, but I'm just saying that people look at him as the superstar team player type of guy, and he makes everybody around him better. But it's and, – and, yeah, it goes both ways. Thompson needs to figure some things out too. But it just seems to me that there are other players across the league that actually do make the players around them better. And maybe it's just that they've had more time with their teams. Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James – yeah, maybe it's it's that they are better superstars than Kevin Durant. I'm I'm not sure, but I'm gonna go with uh, with the fact that Durant is just he's not facilitating his teammates as much as he should being the new guy out there. Yeah, you you say it's no big deal, but again, if it was no big deal, then I think like that they would you know shake hands before the game. I think it's a big deal because they're making it a big deal. Like it shouldn't be a big deal. But it's clearly a big deal to them. I wouldn't expect if Durant, like for when Durant went to Golden State, that that all of his teammates. Maybe you can expect it from Westbrook again because he's that guy. That's his personality. But it really seems like that team just doesn't like Kevin Durant now, and it and it also seems like he doesn't like them. The way he talks about them, the dismissive way. And granted, you know, some of that may have to do with the fact that he's been asked a bunch. But it 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 seems to me that they don't like each other. And I don't really completely understand why. And I, I, I guess that's what's making me wonder if like, maybe they really never did like each other all that much to begin with. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that players played on the same team and won and had success and didn't like each other. I mean, you've, you've seen it firsthand, right? Yeah, and then some, sometimes you just don't know until you know. You know, like, who knew Bradley Beal and John Wall hated each other until it came out that they don't like each other? Yeah. That's very true. Um, shall we move on? Since we're sure. sort, of, sort of rickety here, I feel like we're on some sort of a, I don't know, car with a flat tire or something. 
I feel like we're back. I'm not even we're making fun. good analogies. This is terrible. It's am I that rusty? It's been over a month. That's my excuse. We've changed the tire, Rory. We're back on the road, man. We're kidding. All right. Um, you're gonna have to help me out with this Phil Jackson topic too, because I failed to even ask you what it was about, and uh, I have not seen or heard anything about Phil Jackson besides the fact that his Knicks are struggling. Right, Phil Jackson. Uh, his, Phil Jackson was going to be hired to uh, be the general manager of the Lakers, but uh, what's his name? Jim Bus. Sorry, no, no, sorry, Jerry Bus decided to pick his son Jim Bus instead. Okay, you can you can talk about uh, whether or not that was a good decision, and oh, and maybe it wasn't. But what are you going to do, nepotism, son? Whatever, it's it's understandable to me to like watch your son in that position. But Laker fans for years, for, for years, have been bemoaning the fact that we could have gotten Phil Jackson, right? But instead, we got this bumbling idiot Jim Buss. We could have gotten Phil Jackson. You know who got Phil Jackson, right? The Knicks. The Knicks got Phil Jackson. That's right. Yeah. Do you you want to know something about the Knicks and Phil Jackson? Phil Jackson is a terrible GM. Not it certainly terrible... seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. The Knicks seem to be decimated yet again. And while I like a couple of their players, I do like Porzingis. I like Carmelo Anthony as a, as a player. I think that he could fit in somewhere. It's just not there, and he's going to have to change his game a little bit if he ever thinks he's going to win a title. But, wow, they really do look like a dumpster fire over there in New York, and I, I couldn't be happier. Now, look. He had some limitations with the roster and with finances, but that's not even what I'm here to talk about today, right? I, the, there's a report that's going around widely that Phil Jackson uh, is upset that the Knicks aren't running enough triangle offense. Okay? Again with the triangle. Again with the triangle. We yeah. talked about the triangle in the past here, and I, I, it's sort of mockingly. I hate the triangle. But just this guy, Phil Jackson, he needs to, he needs to figure it out because – Nobody plays with this this offense anymore. It just doesn't happen. He needs to do a better job of getting coaches coaches in here and allowing them to play a more modern NBA style, or they're not going to win games. And it, it, it doesn't matter what types of players he brings in; it's just not going to work. Here's the thing: he fired uh, Derek Fisher because after realizing that Derek Fisher did not know how to run the triangle offense. Brought in Kurt Rambis back again, classic retread Kurt Rambis. Okay, realized that it wasn't going to work with the media in New York, but with uh, keeping Kurt Rambis on, he tried to make Kurt Rambis his coach. Was not he was not going to be able to get have that pass muster. So he hired Jeff Hornacek and told Jeff Hornacek, Jeff, you can run whatever offense you want, but by the way, you should keep Kurt Rambis on as an assistant coach, which he did. Jeff Hornacek did, ran an offense, didn't use the triangle very much at all. Jeff Hornacek, in my opinion, very good coach. He got the Suns to, like, play better than they should have played considering the talent that was on the roster at the time. They mm-hmm. the year, I remember the one year they were projected to be have the worst record in the NBA, and they made the playoffs. So, Or they almost made the playoffs. So, again, he's a coach that you hired, you thought you had confidence in, we're seven games into the season, uh, maybe six for the Knicks. I need to check, but 
I think it is six. Uh, anyway, six games into the season, and you're already bailing because you you feel like they haven't scored enough, and you think that the triangle offense is the answer. Carmelo Anthony hates the triangle. Derrick Rose would be a terrible offensive fit for the triangle. They don't have a center to play to pass out of the triple post. I don't understand the idea. The, the triangle is super outdated anyway, even beyond all of those things. None of them want to play it. The coach doesn't want to coach it. And by the way, you uh, you've now ha- had Hornacek uh, promote Kurt Rambis to quote take charge of your struggling defense. So Kurt Rambis, a proven bad coach, is getting another you know advantageous position again because his wife is best friends with Jeannie Buss. It's uh, it, it seems to be, it seems to me that that you, the Laker fan, should be happy with the way this all planned out, or this all panned out. Why can't I speak tonight? I'm not. I, I just this is this is frustrating to say the least. Um, it's it's worked out well for you because you just said it at the top of the show. You're excited about the Lakers. Phil Jackson's not in Los Angeles and the Knicks are terrible and they will be for some time because their contracts are elephants. They're huge. So it's just more evidence that, that uh, the bus family, even though they're, they're maybe looking into uh, a little, keeping, keeping the, the, the Lakers legacy in the family, as opposed to going outside of it. Even though isn't Phil Jackson related? Isn't he married in uh, to Jeannie? Either way, uh, they're not married. Yeah, they're not married. Fair enough. Either way, it looks like the Lakers have made the right decision, Calvin. And um, I mean, you have to be happy about that, right? Oh, I'm happy about it. I'm happy not to have Phil Jackson, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to take this opportunity to take a cheap shot at him because he's he's like. People think that he's a genius, and he's just over here ruining the Knicks with his crotchety ideas. And I feel like so much of it is the only reason he wants a triangle offense in there is because the triangle offense is like the offense that makes Phil Jackson look like a genius. Like, like that's what uh, Phil Jackson gets credit for. That's not like, hey, Shaq and Kobe and uh, Michael Jordan carried you to championships. If he can point to, hey, no, I, I instituted this triangle offense that, uh, you know, allowed them to play under control and they never won without my triangle offense. But if nobody if nobody can play the triangle offense, then it really doesn't reflect well on the genius that is Phil Jackson. That's right. And there aren't many players coming up through the ranks, through college, through the D League, what have you, that will know how to play the triangle offense because like I said, nobody does it anymore. It's outdated. It's ancient. Phil Jackson, figure it out. Get a, get a, an advisor or something if you have to. If you don't, if you can't make these decisions the right way anymore, the league is changing. He's a dinosaur. That's it. Yeah, Phil Jackson's the worst. That's all. He is. He is the worst. Other things that are changing about the league and sports in general are um, actually. Is this the next topic? Am I doing this right? I am. Are. Or is the reason behind Mark Cuban taking uh, some credentials away from ESPN um, reporters? 
a couple of long time, long standing in the Dallas community, ESPN reporters, Mark Stein, and oh boy, his name just slipped my mind. Tim, the other guy, Tim McMahon. Tim McMahon, unbelievable. I had it on the tip of my tongue. McMahon's job at ESPN is more of a national guy now. That's recently changed. But Mark Cuban came out today, Calvin, to say that he stripped these reporters of their credentials because he wants to make it apparent that there is a negative trend that's about to happen in sports and journalists are going to be omitted from games in general because everything is going to be automated and computers are going to take over the reporting process of scores, etc. So he wanted to take away two people's jobs in order to illustrate that point. And some people may say that's kind of contradictory, but unless he's trying to cover up the fact that he just doesn't like either one of these guys, then um, I buy it because he always seems to have a reason behind the stupid little things that he does or not the stupid little things that he does, but the, the quirky little things that he does. And I, I don't know. I feel like he's being genuine on this one and he, and he is trying to address a larger issue because he always has sort of been a guy that has talked about job creation and things like that. And while this contradicts it, he took away credentials from two, two actual people. Uh, I think he's trying to cut something off of the past that he believes is going to be a bigger issue going forward. Murray, I think that uh, what he what the other thing that he said was he wanted full coverage for the math, and he was upset at ESPN, uh, particularly McMahon, uh, because they sort of assigned McMahon to the Mavericks and the Grizzlies, and I believe another team in in the area. And his, his beat was to sort of cover all of those teams, and and uh, Mark Cuban was mad because. Uh, that he wasn't not going to be exclusively at Mavs games, like that was going to affect the coverage of the team and like maybe his understanding of the team to not be there at every game. And so that that's where he was sort of leading to his, you know, robots of the future comment of like, well, if you, you first you're going to be here in less games and then you, you're going to be here, you know, five times a year and then you're not going to be here at all. It's just going to be some computer uh, reacting to the game. And that's sort of where he was where he was going with that. So it's contradictory to then like take the credential away, especially because uh, Mark Stein is a guy who doesn't he's not assigned to cover the Mavericks at all. He goes to Mavericks games because I, I believe because he's a Mavericks fan, because he's a basketball fan, he lives in Dallas. He just like that's where he he'll, he'll see national perspective games. You know when when teams play in Dallas, he'll see their games there, and like that that's only beneficial to the Mavs in the hope for that. I don't know why they would cut him off, except for the fact that he also works at ESPN. So right. I think it, that's more what it has to do with, the fact that, that Cuban is trying to make a point about this automated reporting that's about to happen with the AP, and obviously ESPN is, is relocating a guy that was exclusive to the Mavericks in the Dallas area, and now he's not anymore. Uh, and maybe Cuban just said if, if one of them's gone, then the other one's gone too, and there aren't any other ESPN credentials that are used in Dallas, I guess. But I guess the, my problem with that is, is wow, the uh, the Nets beat the Timberwolves. Who everyone thought the Timberwolves were going to be so good? Ray, did you 
Did you think the Timberwolves were going to be good this year? I didn't necessarily think they were going to be good, but I was intrigued by them, and I thought that they were going to be a competitive team. Um, I thought Thibodeau was going to put some discipline on, into them, and they do have some solid players. Then Rubio goes down, but either way, I mean, that's disappointing all the way around. How many starters for the Nets can you name? Is Hollis Jefferson a starter? Oh, he is. I'm impressed. Brooke Lopez. Yep. Um, I don't know. I think that's probably about it. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is there now? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, let's see. Some guy I've never heard of named Isaiah Whitehead is a shooting guard. Mm, that's got. I mean, maybe he's filling in or something. I'm, yeah, that's news to me. And Trevor Booker. Is oh, Trevor Booker, sure. Starting, yeah. of course. What a joke yeah. that team is. Yikes. Yeah. They've they've got to have somebody hurt, right? I feel like. I feel Jeremy like. Jeremy some... Jeremy Lin is hurt. <laughs> Lin is hurt. There we go. That's that's right. Jeremy Lin is hurt. That's it. That is it. Yikes. Did you know uh, Luis Scola is now in the Nets? I had no idea. I did know that. I did know that. Randy Foy as well. Randy Foy. Yep. Are you looking now, or did you just know he was on there? I'm looking. I'm looking now, but I did know about Foy. But wait, didn't they sign? Who was who was that kid? Tyler Johnson is he still on? Didn't they sign a, him to a big contract? A kid came from Miami. He must be hurt or something. Oh yeah, didn't Miami? Didn't didn't he end up going back to Miami? Uh, did he? Did they match? I'm going to look that up right now. Thought they did. They must have matched. That's crazy if they did. Yep. They, he, they, they did. did. Match. They must yep. be matched. That. That's crazy. Anyway, um, we're getting off topic. And yeah, we are. We should bring it back because we got two football topics to end this show and wrap things up here over the next 20 to whatever minutes. Uh, so let's do it. Here we go. This Buffalo, Seattle, I didn't see any of this, but I've heard plenty about it. And I, I've heard the radio calls and, and the Monday night football call last night uh, by Sean McDonough and John Gruden. So while I didn't see the play, I got a, I have a pretty vivid imagery of what happened and it just, Sounds like the ultimate clown show circus, NFL officiating blunders and coaching mistakes and teams not being able to snap the ball in time because of things that the officials have done. And Calvin, <laughs> this it just seems to me like it's more more of the same from the NFL. And uh, last night in the Seahawks Bills game, there was there was a wild finish to the first half. There was indeed a wild finish to the first half. So uh, the Bills were lining up for a 48-yard field goal, but uh, Richard Sherman, I believe, it could have been somebody else, I can't remember, was offsides. It was Sherman. Okay? It was Sherman, right? So the Bills hiked the, kicker, the ball. Yep. Yeah. Bills hiked the ball. Sherman ran it at kicker Dan Carpenter. And, you know, Ran into the kicker. Now he didn't. Uh, Bills fans are reacting like Richard Sherman committed a hate crime, and that, like he should be punished or fined or 
That's stupid. None of the, he just ran into the kicker as one is want to do when they're trying to block a kick and they overrun. And you know, he, he did the, hit the ball first, so he's in he's yeah. in the letter of the law. He's within the rules. Well, he he is, except that you're not allowed to run into the kicker, which he did do. He ran. But no, he ran you in. you are allowed to do that after you if you touch the ball first. It's just that he was offside, unabated to the kicker, which is why the flag was thrown in the first place. But the refs should have blown that dead. Right when that that's a dead ball penalty, they should have blown that dead. No snap, nothing. Well, supposedly they did blow the whistle, but Sherman didn't hear because it was loud. It was uh, late. It was a late whistle. Yeah, I didn't really hear the whistle. But my so but what so what happened was he ran. That's fine. It offsides penalty. Uh, if you want to argue it's not a 15-yard penalty, you can argue that. I I feel like it probably should have been. If you want to say it's, it's, it just should have been offside, that's that's fine too. But, but e- either way, it, it was a penalty. The The problem was it, – it, 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 even even me saying like – I, like I said, I think it should have been a 15-yard penalty. Even me saying that, if that's not called, that's life. Like I'm, I hate when people just complain about like everything that should have been called. That should have been a penalty. This, you know what's wrong with the refs? Like this is things that I'm hearing. Okay, that penalty doesn't get called. That's fine. My issue then is because Sherman runs into Carpenter and Carpenter like needs to be looked at for a minute. Like they, they the NFL rule says that Carpenter has to be taken off the field. Like. You would think that on a penalty, you would be able to call – like this to me is a, a – I don't even blame the rest for this. This is a flaw in the rules. On a defensive penalty, the offensive player should be allowed to be looked at by the referee or by the trainer rather. Instead, he has to leave the field. They have to spike the ball, taking more it's, time off the clock. Yeah, it's only because of the, the type of penalty. That's only because of the type of yeah. penalty. Yeah, if it had been a personal foul, that there would have been no timeout charged, and he would have been able to stay in the game. Yeah, but they should just they should just amend that to all defensive right. penalties, and then you don't have to worry about this situation. But yep. yeah, so so whatever. Then they had to they had to spike the ball, and then they had to run Carpenter back out there on the clock. Uh, the referees took way too long to spot the ball, the, and then they they penalized Buffalo a delay game penalty. So, so that's another thing. The the play clock shouldn't start until the referee is is off the ball. If he is yeah. standing over the ball, you should stop the play clock, and it should not be running, in my opinion. I I agree I agree with you there. And again, considering the circumstances, the referees like should have had the wherewithal to figure to figure out like, hey, we've started this clock late. This team like did not have the appropriate amount of time, and not penalize them a delay game. Like I, I don't have a problem with the first mistake, like not calling uh, the personal foul, even though again you seem to disagree with that overall. So you're just wiping that out completely. But then, but they just they compound it with like just just uh, punitary actions, seemingly against the Bills to try to push them at, at a field goal range, essentially through no fault of their own. And yeah, it is it is kind of garbage that they then had to take a 54-yard field goal instead of a 48-yard field goal or closer, uh, you know, to make the score closer at halftime. But Rory, all that being said. All that being said, Ray, everyone complaining today, like, what should we do about the refs, uh, Bills fans, 
you know, people asking for Sherman's head. I just want, I want all of them to shut up. And here's why. Here's why, Ray. That play, you know when that play happened? It happened at halftime. Halftime, okay? yep. Halftime. Halftime. Right. Yeah. Okay, they, they make that three, and they, they only get a field goal to win instead of a touchdown later on. But you can't assume the rest of the game plays out exactly the same if they hit that field goal. Right. Like, the, the, the narrative of games change based on what you need to score. Like that's how it, that's how football works. You can't, you know what I mean. You can't just go out. You can't just say something that happened at halftime affected the end of the game. They had plenty of time to win the game anyway, and there there were bigger screw jobs than that. Like maybe there's like a a, a non pass interference call on a on a bomb that happens. You know, I feel like that happens once a week in football. That's part of life. You know what I mean? You didn't you didn't get that you didn't get that touchdown. Deal with it. Like this this overreaction to a play that that happened at halftime of a game that ultimately didn't impact what happened at the end of the game anyway. It's it's so ludicrous to me, and it, it's just like people are trying to manufacture hatred toward the referees. And granted, referees can be annoying, but part of the reason they exist is is to sort of create that wild card element. We don't have robots refereeing because things are subjective deal with it all right i like it and that in in and of itself is the nfl though because people complain and people whine and cry and that's social media today too calvin so i think you just have to buck up and deal with the people whining or ignore it yourself take some of your own advice huh oh i like that (laughs) you turn it around on me how do you like that I don't like it at all. I don't like I don't like being given a taste of my own medicine. Uh, anyway, no, I'm with I'm with you. People should just deal with it. I mean, what what's going to yeah, happen? You can't change the yeah. call. You can't go back and change the call. So you complain about it if you must, but uh, don't whine and and cry about it. Just state your opinion and let and walk away. All right, Ray. You want to talk about? Uh... Your boy Tom Brady and your, your other boy Bill Belichick? <laughs> Not particularly. I don't really know what's going on with those two. Um, but uh, people up people up here are up in arms. Obviously, I, I live in Massachusetts, quite a liberal state. We are a blue state up here. And people are up in arms because Donald Trump dropped Bill Belichick and Tom Brady's name at a rally in New Hampshire last night. And uh, when, when this... When Trump read a letter that he said was from Bill Belichick, people's immediate reaction was, there's no way that's from Bill Belichick. He wouldn't speak that eloquently about anything that's not football-related. It's not him. And uh, then today it came out that it was actually Bill Belichick that wrote this letter to Donald Trump. So uh, people around here are, are not happy about it. And I, I think Tom Brady's getting some vitriol on social media, social media as well. Uh, because he has been long rumored to be a friend of Donald Trump. And while uh, his wife, I believe, has come out and denied that they are supporting or voting for Donald Trump, uh, Trump claims that Brady did give him his vote and his support. So I'm just going to – that's that's the, the deal around here. People are not happy about it. And um, I, I just – I think that it's absolutely ridiculous if any of these people that are complaining – about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick liking Donald Trump are going to affect the way that they watch football or if they're going to let that affect how big of a fan they are of the New England Patriots or 
those two guys in general as, as football personalities and player and coach, because you, that's the biggest problem with people in this country today, Calvin, regardless of which side of the election you're on. And I, I think that you've vocal vocalized this quite a bit over the past few months as well, that people want to say that they want to have democracy and be opinionated and let everybody speak their mind and have freedom of, of speech. But they only want that if it's what they are looking to hear. And if it, 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 that's fine it, when it comes to politics, if you want to act that way and you want to say that you're absolutely correct all the time and other people should think your way. But when you start to let that creep into what something that's supposed to be fun for you as a fan, something that's supposed to be an enjoyable experience for you watching professional athletes. If, if this is, if you're a sports fan out there, which if you're listening to the show, you very likely are. And otherwise, thanks for listening. I don't, I'm not sure why you're here with us, but the point is if you start to let that stuff creep into those situations, that's the problem with, with our country right there. We need to be able to separate these things and have a rousing political dis- discussion on one hand, but sit down with the same person and cheer on a team if you're both fans of that team on the other hand. And that's, that, to me, that's, that's why people get so heated and so frustrated too often because th- they, they combine these things together and it just – it doesn't work out that way. So that's, that's my little political slash sports rant. I'm trying to, to ride the fence here on all of it and just say, listen, don't combine it with sports. It's supposed to be enjoyable. If you're a fan of Tom Brady, it shouldn't matter who he voted for. As long as he's not doing anything as far as a violent crime is concerned, he's still a good person. He seems to be a good father and a good husband and an excellent football player. If if you're going to let the fact that he is backing Donald Trump, whether he is or not, just that rumor, if you're going to let that affect you as a fan, I, I feel bad for you. Yeah, I agree with, with your sentiment pretty, pretty closely. Uh, you know, I just had this argument with my cousin on Facebook because she, uh, she posted something about how, uh, you know, on this day, if you happen to support the candidate that she doesn't support, that she's just going to block everyone on the other side of, of the political spectrum on Facebook. And so I, I sort of got into it a little bit with her, not because I, I disagreed with her support of that candidate, but it, it was, it was more that like, why I don't understand this notion of like holding it against somebody for having different, different political opinions than you, you know, and it's the same thing with like, there's just whole controversy over like Donald Trump and, uh, and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, it's it's out of, like if Tom Brady wants to be friends with Donald Trump, if Bill Belichick wants to be friends with Donald Trump, like why why is that anybody else's business? Like if you can point out some crime that Bill Belichick is committing in in his friendship with Trump, then we can have a conversation about that. But if he but if he supports you know his like po- mainstream political ideology, it doesn't even have to be like. He supports everything that Trump says. Like I, the, the other thing that people do when somebody supports a candidate is is they'll say, "Well, uh, you know, did you hear what he said about this, or did you hear what she said about that?" Like it's not Tom Brady's job to defend all of Donald Trump's political positions. Like he can support enough of them to just support him as a candidate, or maybe he just likes Donald Trump because apparently they golf together or whatever. Yeah, they've been doing forever, right? Like 
maybe he didn't, Tom Brady doesn't even strike me as a particularly political guy. You know, it's Bill Belichick could just be he tries not with, to be. Yeah, Bill Belichick could just be friends with Donald Trump in the sense that, like, you know, they both like motivational speeches. They, <laughs> maybe maybe they're like they have a they have the same sort of business acumen. Who knows? Who knows why they support? So, it, it's not really any, any of our business, but it's also like. Who are you to judge, like these guys who, yeah, run football teams that you like? You're criticizing them for like being individuals and not being like you. It's it's just it's such an outrageous position for me. Yeah, and uh, the other thing that people are trying to say once you if if that's the argument you give back to them, they're they're saying and they're trying to tie the the two together, sports and politics. They'll say, well, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are in the locker room with a bunch of black and Hispanic players. How do you think those players feel about the way that they they feel about Donald Trump? And it, it, that's going to be divisive in the locker room, and then they're not going to be able to play together. And to that I say, you know what? They should – I say the same thing. They're getting paid millions of dollars to be part of a team that has one goal. They need to be able to separate politics from that one goal and getting along with somebody at your job on a day-to-day basis just because you disagree with them. And playing devil's advocate, Tom Brady, maybe he doesn't get along with with the other people in the locker room because he disagrees with them politically in general. But he goes about his business and he gets his job done with those guys. And they're all equals when they step on the field. Nobody's degrading anybody around there. Nobody's denouncing anything that anybody has to say. They're just in a workplace environment and people have different opinions. If you can't set those things aside, then there's going to be problems. And I, I would, I would say that they need to be a little bit more mentally tough in order to have success in the NFL in general. And I just don't think that politics are an issue that, that puts a divide between players in the locker room. I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. And beyond that, like that notion that like, uh, you know, look, there are black and Hispanic players in, in the locker room. It's, it, but people don't realize it's like that's so insulting to those players in the locker room. Like, guess what? It's possible to be a minority and have uh, a, a different political opinion. People aren't homogenous. People are individuals. How do how do Republicans and Democrats work at, together at Ed Shop? Do you think do you think that every workplace out there? Yeah, and it's not only insulting on that level, like that. Hey, everyone else has to be anti-Trump or has to be a, a Democrat because they're a minority or, or, or whatever. It's, it's doubly insulting to think like, well, these are NFL people. They're not capable of working together, even though they disagree. Ray, do you think that everybody you work with agrees with you politically? Do you think that you do? You, do you think like even everybody you work with likes each other? No, most people find yeah, a way to work together without agreeing on everything. And even, even politics, it's the notion that like, uh, that a wide receiver is not going to, you know, do their job. That he's just going to drop the ball because uh, of a belief that, that Tom Brady supports. He's going to hurt his own career and, and ruin his own team's chance of winning because he doesn't like the way a guy is thinking. It's that's ludicrous. I mean, you saw the same thing with like Rex Ryan, who's actually like legitimately came out in support of Trump. People tried to shame him the same way and say the, the locker room and. You know, say whatever you want to say about Rex Ryan as a coach. His players still seem to like him a lot. So I'm not yeah, it's because they all come together for the same goal and they have a job to do, 
and they're professionals. It doesn't, and that they can divide that. It's the fans out there that are freaking out and getting all worried uh, that that things are going to happen within the, the Patriots locker room now. That it really just don't make any sense to me. I'm not I'm not concerned about how the Patriots are going to be able to handle this because when they walk through those doors, they're they're on the same page. They're all part of the same team, and that's just the way things are run around here. It doesn't matter who you're voting for or who you may or may not have endorsed. And, and what you said about uh, people having different opinions regardless of race, etc. There, there. It's very clear that Donald Trump has said some very disparaging things about women in general throughout this the course of his life throughout the course of this campaign but there are plenty of women that went out today and voted for Donald Trump so of course you can't make a blanket statement about things like that and just assume that everybody is going to fall in line that's that's what makes this country great we all have different opinions we all go about our business in different ways and as i've always said as long as you're not committing any violent crimes or seriously fraudulent activities with money, etc., then we all should be able to get along and, and have our disagreements and still enjoy things like a football game on Sunday. Like, get over it, people, for the three hours that your team is on the field. Please enjoy Tom Brady in towards the end of his career as a football player. That's what I. That's all I have to say. Let's. Let's move on to more quarterback talk to end this show. Yeah, I, did we talk about these guys before? I think we did, right? Romo, I think, Romo, very, Dak I think very briefly at the beginning of the season, we may have mentioned it because I think Romo had just gone down and we yeah. had a show. Well, now Dak's played pretty well. He's you know in the running for rookie of the year. It'll be a very competitive rookie of the year race. It'll be interesting. Uh, I don't, I don't know uh, exactly what they should do. I think it's it's an interesting dilemma to me, though. I, a, a lot of people seem to be thinking like, yeah, they're seven and one. They should just ride with Dak, no matter what. I I be I would be inclined to going back to Romo. I don't know how you feel about it. And the the reason I'd be inclined is because if if you actually watch the Cowboys play, they don't really. Uh, open up the playbook for him. Like they protected him well. Granted, he's effective at the play action because of his running threat that you're not necessarily going to get from Romo at this stage of his career. But I feel like Dak Prescott doesn't really throw downfield. Did you mute yourself again? Or is something more sinister happening here? Well, I will continue on and say that uh, I just I don't know if I would go back to Tony Romo at this point, regardless of whether Prescott throws downfield or not. Uh, Romo is old-ish for an for an NFL quarterback. He is injury prone, and. It, he coming back from an injury. I just, I don't know why they would take the kid out of there. Why would you take the rookie out when he's playing so well? And it just Dallas looks great. Their defense is playing well. Their running game looks great. They have a MVP candidate in Ezekiel Elliott. 
I just don't see the point in bringing Romo back into the fold just because he's he's healthy again. Uh, it just in the NFL, if you find something that works and it seems to be working for you, you tend to go with it. You roll with it until it stops working. So Romo is Jerry Jones's guy. You know, he's he's the quarterback of the future. He's the no, he's not not of the future. He's the quarterback of the past, and he is Jerry Jones's guy. So I wouldn't be surprised if they threw Romo back in there. I just don't see it see it being necessary until you you see some sort of a fall off from Dak Prescott. Calvin, you cut off as you were saying he doesn't really throw downfield, and then I picked it up to say, well, they're winning games, and he's he's being that game manager type. So maybe he's he's what they need and I don't see why you would go away from something that's working just to bring your uh your former all-star pro bowl quarterback back into the fold just because he's healthy I think you ride the kid as long as it, it looks good and as long as you're winning because of that game manager type doesn't win a lot of Super Bowls and this team has so much like they, what they don't have is the element that Tom, that Tony Romo brings. Now, I think that there's there's some question in the air of like how healthy he's going to be. You know, how like can he stand up to an NFL hit? I mean, he got hit one time and he's been out for for you know ten games of the season or eight games of the season. So I think there's an element of that. I I would bring Tony Romo back. I definitely wouldn't bring him back like the week that he's healthy. I would make sure that he's over healthy. You know, I'd want him. I'd want him in practice, playing, playing well, looking like Tony Romo, and even then I would still give it an extra two weeks. But I, I, I just feel like ultimately his upside, at least for this season, is still higher than, than Dak Prescott's. And if I'm trying to win the Super Bowl, I think I still would have to go back to him. Yeah, I, th- I think you're wrong about game managers not winning Super Bowls. I think there are plenty of instances where game managers have won Super Bowls. And even quarterbacks that aren't typically a game manager have won Super Bowls in that way. Uh, so I I write that off. But um, Romo is definitely the bigger play type of quarterback. So I'm sure that's what Jerry Jones wants. He wants to see that that glitz and glamour, that run-and-gun Dallas Cowboy offense. But I just I, – I feel like it, it, it – I said it before – I don't know if you heard it or not, but I feel like in the NFL, if something's going well and you're winning games, you don't want to shake it up too much, especially a quarterback. So I would be surprised if they brought him back in there right away. But who knows? After those two weeks, maybe they drop a couple games and they say, all right, Dak, we appreciate you. We know what you are. We know that you're going to be here if Romo gets hurt again. And uh, you are the future for Dallas Cowboys, but we're going back to our, our – our, our horse here. We're going back to our stud quarterback and see what he can do. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. It's more of an intriguing story for you, I think, because your team's in the division over there. Uh, but neither here nor there for me. Anyway, um, through the bumps, we made it, Calvin. We made it to the end. We did it, Murray, and Right now, it, it appears that uh, Trump might be making a move in the election. So, uh, I don't know if that means we'll have a show next week. <laughs> the, the end of America, as, as everyone seems to be proclaiming. 
But yeah, uh, we'll you see. never know. There's a list, a list of celebrities that's already saying they're going to move out of the country. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. And uh, hopefully the Patriots don't lose all of their fans this weekend. I, I hope that people show up to the game uh, on Sunday night against the Seattle Seahawks instead of not going in protest of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully Tom <laughs> look Tom Brady and Bill Belichick should Trump win the election. I just I just want America to know that they they should be held singularly responsible for that. Yeah, it's definitely their fault. Absolutely yeah. their fault. And may they never win another Super Bowl championship because of it. Good night, everyone. You took my line. I say good night. Uh-huh. You say everybody usually. You want to try it again? You want to say something oh, yeah. else? Oh, yeah. You want to say something else? Yeah, Here we go. Try again. Peace. <laughs> we'll be back next week. See you later.